Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. It's a very special week this week. We've got some guest hosts joining me. Matt Williamson is on vacation. If you're wondering why you haven't heard his voice uh, today, another guy who covers the Steelers, Chris Carter. He's the host of Locked On Steelers, also an NFL analyst, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Dot com. You can find him on Twitter at Carter Critiques. And Chris, I got to say, first of all, thank you for joining the show. And second, my apologies for not inviting you on the show more often, even though you're on the network. I love talking to all the great analysts and hosts we have on the network, but we've already got one accused Steelers homer on the show. We, we can't add a second to the mix very often. So as much as I would like to talk to you more often, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to jump on the show with me and, uh, and let's chat it up about the NFL. Let's do it, man. I'm, ex- I'm excited. I-, I listen to Matt all the time, both here and with uh, Steeler Nation Radio. So I understand. He he does the job well. And then, you know, so I-, I totally understand not bringing two of us on at the same time. That sounds kind of dangerous. We will talk some Steelers, though, uh, I think, in segment number three of this program. First, there's some big news that broke Tuesday, a couple of major defensive line contracts. We haven't seen a ton of veteran contracts in this just odd offseason that we're going through here with COVID-19 and um, the league and the NFLPA might be battling a little bit more on that later, but somehow the Kansas City Chiefs are finding a whole bunch of money somewhere, uh, flipping over the couch cushions and a massive half-billion-dollar contract with their quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, and now they add another extremely large contract for their star defensive tackle, Chris Jones. And the numbers on this one are a four years, what, looks like about... A little over $20 million per year, very similar to the DeForest Buckner contract. So parks him right in that uh, that next range right after Aaron Donald. And and I think that's the perfect place for Chris Jones to be. But Chris, I don't know how you feel about this. I was a little bit skeptical they were going to be able to get this deal done. Same here. I mean, I, 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 was, I was sitting here like, listen, they're, they're loaded up. Because don't forget, they still got Frank Clark on the roster this year. They paid uh, Ty, Tyreek Hill. They're, you know, they're, 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 I think they're, they're still paying... Um, uh, yeah, to you know, Honey Badger, his his money. Sammy Watkins is still making money. I thought for sure they were gonna let him go. Yeah. Uh, to clear up stuff so they could do all this, but my goodness, you know, they're 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 they're, they're they are pulling it. They are pulling in the funds. Um, and uh, and right now, according to uh, according according to OverTheCap.com, they have like six point two million dollars left in cap space. It is a big wonder what they're what they're doing here and how they're pulling all this off. Um, and you know, setting up going the next year, they have another another fourteen million, but I, I have to think, Brian. There's there's a lot of skepticism I have right now of projecting on how the salary cap could work because going into this season, going you know before we got into the COVID t- of times, you know a lot of people were, were talking about how the salary cap was gonna was gonna skyrocket because everyone is expecting you know more revenue with you know with more games coming through the CBA. And, you know, and so there was this thing that people were talking about across the league, like, you know what, people are going to be able to invest more in their players now, because then soon that cap space is going to open up. Now we're not so sure about this. Um, I get the the Chiefs buying in on now, but geez, this just, the, you know, I, I do have to wonder what kind of long-term ramifications this might have on, on this organization moving forward. Also, but I mean, I guess when you get in a, a top tier interior pass rusher, like Chris Jones, he's 26 years old. I, I get wanting to lock that down because controlling the middle of the field often does help the rest of the defense set itself up. 
Uh, he's a monster, and we saw it in the Super Bowl. He, he was the sneaky MVP there, knocking a couple of passes down. If he doesn't get his big old mitts, maybe on just one of those Jimmy Garoppolo passes in the Super Bowl, uh, a different team might have been hoisting the trophy. I mean, Chris Jones is that good. He's a huge problem, and now the Chiefs have two $20 million per year defensive linemen. Um, I, I think, you know, luckily they were able to backload that Patrick Mahomes contract. So right now they're, they've got everything working underneath the cap. I think in a couple of years, um, I think maybe all of these contracts, when you talk about Frank Clark and, and Sammy Watkins took a little bit less to restructure and stick around this year, they're gonna have to make some tougher decisions down the road. And I'm not sure any of those contracts will really see all the way through the years that they were, uh, that they were signed to be when, you know, when, the, when they were first done. I agree. You know, the, and, and that's how a lot of those uh, those are drawn up. They're drawn up to give the team more options once you get to the end of that contract and say, you know what? Hey, if we love you, we'll find a way to make it work. If if we see other better options coming, well, guess what? We're going to find a way to let you go. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, you look at these contracts – you know, I think they're go- they're going to find ways to to create space and keep the core together that they want to keep together. So good job by the Chiefs so far. Um, you know, locking down their own players. I've always thought that's the best way to to build. Don't go out and necessarily have to go crazy in free agency. Bring in the guys you know are going to contribute because they've been in your organization. The Patrick Mahomes deal too was very much to me. I think a genius move by the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes himself, and you know, almost a. It was almost an extra bit of marketing to me for Patrick Mahomes to make more money off the field because the contract is, I think, a very good one for the Chiefs, the way it was. And, and it looks huge, and I think that's part of it. There's the optics of it saying, okay, well, look, we can't actually give you that $40 million a year right now, but hey, what if we do a contract that looks so large on paper that everyone, that LeBron James is going to tweet about it because it's nearly half a billion dollars? Let's do that, and it'll look awesome, but in reality, I think it's actually a really good deal in the short term for the Chiefs, and then who knows, in the year 2027, it could be a bargain at that point, paying near maybe the best quarterback still in the NFL in the $40 million per year range. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, I mean, this year, he, he's only cost them about $5.3 million against the cap. Um, and then in 2021, that jumps up to 24.8. And then, but even 2022, you're talking about $31.4 million for the guy who's the best quarterback in football. Um, you know, unless someone else emerge, even if someone else emerges and pushes him for that title, the things that he does for your offense to have him in his prime, that's a great price to have. And, and I, and I, the biggest thing is that it, 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 he's locked into, they, they've locked in with this contract with him for, for a decade. And that's where the majority of this is coming through because you're going to see that number go from 42 million to as high as 59 million, the highest number you're going to see, which in 2027, ironically, the number that you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, I thought it was very smart on their part. Patrick Mahomes absolutely should have. Uh, sort of, I, I think you can't walk away from a deal like this with all the guaranteed money that, that it worked in. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, again, set it, setting it because, you know, being an icon, setting up stuff, that's, that's attractive to him as well. Yeah. This is going to set up, you know, he's already got, he's already got endorsement deals. He's going to continue to get more. Um, there's more incentives going in with, with, with this deal if he's able to win MVPs and win su- and, and go to Super Bowls. Um, absolutely a great move, I think, on both parties' parts. And uh, and like you said, I it's so important to beat free agency by setting the market when you have the guy that sets the market. Don't let the market set you. Yeah, you know, we're seeing it, that with Dak right now in Dallas. I was talking with Luke Braun on yeah. yesterday's program. Uh, yeah, Dak's going to make more money, like more actual money per year than 
than Patrick Mahomes. And that's going to be interesting to see actually real dollars, how those contracts look in the next, you know, five, six years, whenever that DAC contract actually does come down. Uh, One more bit of news here that I want to get to before we talk about the NFL, the NFL PA, the Pittsburgh Steelers is another defensive lineman making another 20 plus million dollars per year. This one looks like it's going over the top of the Khalil Mack contract. And that is Cleveland Browns, Defensive end, Miles Garrett. Uh, let's see if I I thought I had the numbers pulled up here. 125 million for yep. five years, so five, 25 million dollars per year. Uh, that goes way over the top, actually. Of um, Cleo Max, 23 million dollar per year, and then you have Demarcus Lawrence, Frank Clark, Von Miller. They're all right around that 20 million dollar a year range. So another mega contract getting dealt out here. So maybe some teams are starting to figure things out long term. And maybe they're getting some some news from the league about the future salary cap. Just maybe saying, okay, look, well, look, the, the cap's not going to go down. We're f- going to figure out how to make sure it, it worst stays flat, just to make some te- teams feel good because we're seeing some people uh, spend some some future dollars here, and we hadn't really seen that much this offseason. But uh, yes, I do think that's part of it is that maybe they, they're getting a glimpse of what's coming. But also, I think this is like what we just like what I just said. Don't let the cap don't don't let the market set you. You set the market. Miles Garrett was the first overall pick of his draft. You've got other people coming. It's and 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 you know speaking speaking from the Pittsburgh side, T.J. Watt's coming down the line. You know if T.J. Watt came out and signed a huge deal that was that was this kind of money, Miles Garrett would look at the Browns and be like, hey. Yeah, well, let's go to thirty. Why not? Let's try it. <laughs> How much? So, so you so right now, Chris, you are yeah. T.J. Watt's agent. You know how good TJ Watt is. What number are you writing on that paper and sliding across the table to the Steelers? Uh, it's going to have a whole lot of, a lot of zeros. I'm going to be <laughs> stacking them up. No, no seriously. I, I'd honestly ask for, you know, I, I might ask for just, just as much, if not a little bit more. Um, because here's the thing. TJ Watt, you know, Miles Garrett, supreme athlete, extremely high, high ceiling. did a really boneheaded thing in attacking uh, Mason Rudolph last year. But, uh, as pointed out by one of my colleagues here in Pittsburgh, Josh Roundtree, it, over their first, you know, since they've been in the league, TJ Watt has 15 forced fumbles, four recovered fumbles, and three interceptions. Miles Garrett, six forced fumbles, one recovered fumble, no interceptions. TJ Watt has been part of the turnover machine that Pittsburgh has become. I think they've, you know, they, you know, they led the NFL last year. They've led the NFL in sacks the past three years. Um, TJ Watt can ask for a lot of bread right now. And I think that the Steelers would have to 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 work with with that. Um, if I'm coming in, I'm saying 25 million, 26 million, 28 million, something along those lines. And I think the Steelers would go for it because they've always valued their edge rushers. We've got Chris Carter sitting in the seat today in for Matt Williamson, who's on a beach somewhere on vacation. So don't feel bad for Matt Williamson. He's having fun with a pina colada, I think, in his hand and his toes in the sand. Chris Carter joining me here. We're going to talk. NFL versus NFLPA. Are there some extra hurdles to jump through before we can actually get this season going in 2020? Talk a little Pittsburgh Steelers as well coming up on Locked On NFL. We were talking about edge rushers there, Chris, and TJ Watt, who you cover there. What is with the Watt family, the way they play, the way that like that that inner drive? What is that? Because it's obviously a family gene, right? Drugs, man. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like I, these guys I, on. Like, I don't know, like, seriously, like, like, like their mom just spits them out. Like you, it's like, oh yeah, here's, 
Yeah, here's 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 here's, uh, here's a little bit, bit baby JJ. He's doing so fine, and he comes up and he's a superstar. And now TJ, I mean TJ's killing people. Like he's, you know, I, I thought TJ Watt would be a very good linebacker for the Steelers. He's looking like he's about to be the best edge rusher in the history of an organization with several legendary edge rushers. It's like it's amazing. Like, come on. Yeah, because and I liked the pick, and I liked TJ Watt coming out, but there was some questions about him. I was like, yeah, well, you know, he's a Watt. Is he being overdrafted because of his name? He's not six five two ninety like his brother. How good is TJ Watt? But he plays with the motor, and he does like have that strength and uh, the the length, and he has everything you need. Perfect fit there. Stand up outside pass rusher can put his hand in the dirt as well for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, I want to talk more Steelers. I don't want to get too much into this, but um, you, I just made me think of that, like that Watt family gene that allows them to. It's a crazy job. It's a crazy sport to be an NFL athlete, and yeah. I've run into people in my life and. There's a gene that is not great for being like a regular dude and hanging out and like you can't be that competitive when you're going and order ordering a coffee and standing in line, you know, for a for a burger or whatever it is. But in the NFL, if you have that gene, man, uh, you can see it. And it's really the deciding factor, I think, for players, because these are freaks among freaks anyways, when you're talking about a full first round draft pick and. The Watt family definitely has that gene. You see it with all the greats. It's it's another level, and it's from the neck up that goes along with all of that physical ability. I agree. And uh, here, here, you want to hear something crazy? Yeah. Week four, you're going to have J.J. Watt up against T.J. Watt and Derek Watt because Derek Watt is, is the new fullback for the yes. Steelers. You're going to have all three on the field at the same time. <laughs> all three wattage. There's going to be a, a power outage because too much wattage yep. on the field. Uh, that's going to be a fun one seeing – Derek meet JJ in the hole. Oh my gosh, that would be so hilarious! And and and, and to see just if if that block happens, I have to this this has to be mic'd up. There's no excuses. <laughs> you know, there, there, this this has to be something that we all hear. And then you gotta have you gotta have TJ on the sidelines. You know, hype hyping it up. There's also a really interesting battle. if you follow him on social media. Derek Watt ha- ha- has a kid, and so uh, you know TJ and JJ. All last year, we're battling over who's the favorite uncle, who's the favorite uncle. And TJ was getting to see more of him. And now Derek moves to Pittsburgh and JJ's like, no, I lost the favorite <laughs> uncle battle. And so oh, that's over. Uh, yeah, that's over. because uh, it's, oh. it's hilarious. But now what's crazy is that Steelers fans are like, well, if you want to be a favorite uncle, you know what you got to do. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, what's it, funny yeah, is, is when that block happens and Derek Watt meets J.J. Watt in the hole, I think you're going to be able to hear it everywhere, including on TV. I don't know if they'll have to be mic'd up because there's not going to be any fans in the stands. We're seeing a story today that uh, the city of Philadelphia will not allow fans to attend Eagles games this fall. Yeah. Um, 49ers are offering fans refunds on their season tickets already, or you can roll it over to 2021, which is, you know, they haven't said there's no fans, but it tells me they know there's not going to be fans in the seats. So that's going to be odd too. And you might hear those type of collisions on TV. And um, I don't know how uh, those parabolic mics, I'm sure they'll still allow those on the sidelines. Um, whoever has the job of, of bleeping out an NFL game for a live broadcast, <laughs> man, I think they're going to have to add to that staff because uh, those guys are going to have to tape up and, and ice up and, and be ready for some serious action there. So uh, that's all going to be very interesting. But uh, on that same note, for some games to get played, we, we, we don't know if there's going to be 
two preseason games, zero preseason games. Ian Rappaport, who gets a lot of information from the league side, saying, oh, yeah, we've got this thing figured out just about. And the players are like, yeah, you know what? we got nothing figured out. So uh, as a fan, you're worried that we're going to see something with the NFL and them needing to collectively bargain every little piece of this and player safety and, and fan safety and everything before games can actually be played and carried out and all the protocols involved. We saw how rough it was on Major League Baseball, I hope the NFL learned from baseball and it's not that contentious and they can figure that kind of stuff out. Yeah, that's been something interesting to look at because this there's been pushbacks and apparently they, they are not – the NFL has not gotten to uh, to an agreement yet. But uh, the, the, the proposal that came from the NFL to the NFL Players Association was that they were going to – they were suggesting, hey, we'll put 35% – of your 2020 salaries in escrow and in doing so uh, that will, that will help offset the, the loss of, of, of revenue that we're going to be having from fans, not being in the stands and everything else that's going on. And the players were like, get out of here. We just did a CBA. We just bent over and gave you everything you wanted. You got your, your, your get, we gave you an extra playoff game this year. We gave you an extra regular season game the year after that. Like, what more do you want from us? We, we, we give you everything. Stop it. Go go reach in your own pockets. <laughs> and uh, and the NFL is kind of like, well, yeah, but, you know, but, you know we, we want to have this battle. And I think it's very interesting how this always gets framed. When you hear this discussion, you hear it from the NFL, oh, hey, uh, the only way that we could pull this off is if the players give up some of the money. Otherwise, you know, it's just, it just can't happen. Uh, but the NFL Players Association, they, they have they – have, arguably been the weakest unit in, in uh, uh, union of, of, of pro sports here in North America. Um, I, I think one thing that baseball has on its side is that that union, they've stood up and they forced the owners to figure things out. I think if the NFL Players uh, Association did that in here, I think that the owners would be like, all right, we're, we're going to find a way to, to, to make this work. We can find the money. We're billionaires. It's interesting because you don't become a billionaire by being bad at business and taking losses. So I think that's really hard for organizations and businesses. And there's so many people involved. It's not like the owner is the, you know, it's not like a, a mom and pop shop where it's the owner and, uh, you know, and his family just sitting in a room trying to make these decisions. There's a ton of people that are graduated from big time colleges and uh, have spent their life trying to make dollars for people and, and themselves. And so I think it's hard. It's, it's sort of like the, the conversation we just had about the competitiveness for NFL players, like try telling, TJ Watt, yeah, why don't you take a pl- few plays off? You know, it's, it's not wired in their DNA for owners and business people to lose money. So I, I think it's really easy for people to say, oh, yeah, well, look, you're rich already. Why don't you lose some money here? That's not the way those people are wired either. So you have to understand uh, that aspect of it as well. But uh, I well, think, no, but- yeah, go ahead. What I was going to say was, I'm not, I'm not saying the owners should just be like, yeah, throw money out the window. But you know, I've heard Drew Rosenhaus, and I know he's the he's the ultimate agent, and he he's speaking for behalf of the players. But he's brought up some some good points. Is that like, hey, you know what? Yeah, we recognize that things are going to be rough right now, but there are plenty of mechanisms you can put in place that will maintain the salary cap for the next couple seasons if you really do take a hit this year, and then you're expecting the boom to come because. With extra two extra playoff games from this year on out, and then an extra regular season games across the board after 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 this season, you're going to see a huge spike in revenue from all of that. It's, you know, especially once COVID nineteen it becomes a thing of the past, or at least something that people can manage in this country, and you're seeing things get back to normal for 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 football. 
it's not about necessarily throwing money out the window. It's saying, hey, you know what? We can balance our books right now and still make a killing in the very near future. Um, and then, you know, and then have this, the salary caps go up to the high levels that they're expecting. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, you know, NFL owners should just chalk up a loss. I'm saying that these are these are things that they are posing as if there's no other alternative. And I think there's definitely alternatives out there for them to decide that don't involve taking money from uh, from the players who have already you know, been conceding a lot. Yeah. And no, that's a great point. And one thing that the NFL PA is not quite as powerful as major league baseball players association is. So I think that's going to smooth things out and make things easier. I think they'll be able to figure it out. I think they'll learn from major league baseball. Uh, I think the, the timing of the season has really helped the NFL out. So those are all positive things. And you mentioned with the salary cap, the, the get well year is 2022 because, you know, cross your fingers, knock on wood, that we're not dealing with this again next year. And, and everybody's back in the seats and a full year of revenue in 2021 going into a new TV deal, which should be uh, in 2022. That's the year everything gets right. Uh, and, and things should just continue to be business as usual and skyrocket for, you know, the most popular league, professional sports league in America. So the good news is that you look onto the horizon. I don't think this is going to be a huge problem long term for the NFL. I don't either. I mean, and like you just said, the, and like I've been saying this segment, you know, the, the NFLPA, they, they cave so many times, even when they have the high ground, the, you know, the, the players who want to get paid, they're going to show up because I, I think the other thing that, they, that the NFL has on their side is that this is such, this is a game that, that can have such a short shelf life mm-hmm. for so many players because of the, the brutality of it, that players are like, listen, I got to capitalize now before the next young guy comes in and pushes me off my spot. Whereas in baseball, you have these contracts that you get locked into and you can play baseball for a much longer time than you than you can play football and make lots more money off of it in the long term. Uh, now you can make more money in the short term for football, but players are are more uh you know they're more susceptible to saying hey you know what i got to strike while the iron's hot and it's not easy for that for for every player to just say you know what i'm going to i'm going to sit out this year i'm going to strike this year with my with my my colleagues here and uh and, and pass up this money when you know that you know you're 27 you're 28 years old and you really only got a couple more years of your prime and do you really want to throw away one for that i think that's something that the nfl will always hold over their head and i'm not sure if the nfl pa will ever get to a point where they're strong enough to stand up to the owners and get what they really want. Yeah, it's just such a different sport with, uh, you know, the 53rd man on the roster has very different ideas about how he needs to get paid and how he's trying to work his way through life and make his way in the NFL versus, you know, the NBA who's got a 12-man roster and the guy that's the the ninth guy in the roster might be making multi-million dollars already and is just barely playing and you know with major league baseball smaller rosters and the minor leaguers don't have as much say so you're already a savvy you know six-year veteran in professional sports by the time you get to the big leagues a lot of times for for baseball players so it's a very different situation when you're talking about a vote from uh the the highest paid 20 million dollar per year guy on an nfl roster and the guy who's just scraping by trying to to make his way in the league uh chris we got the host of Locked On Steelers on the show. We've got to talk Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's get into the Steelers 2020 outlook next. I think we have to start with Bud Dupree. This is a fascinating one when you talk about agents and contract negotiations. And you have TJ Watt that you want to pay eventually. It seems to me that the Steelers are trying to play this thing out as long as they can with Bud Dupree without doing a long-term contract on the franchise tag. And now he's filing a grievance because as a team would do. He's being tagged at a lesser number, about $2 million less as an outside linebacker rather than the defensive end designation. But Dupree obviously does not like that. He wants to get paid like an edge rusher, and um, it's pretty much, you know, 
3-4 outside linebacker, 4-3 defensive end. There's a different franchise tag number, but we're talking about the same position, an edge player. I think that's something they got to fix going forward in the NFL. And uh, I'm on Bud Dupree's side here with that grievance. Uh, yeah, he's a pass rusher, and that's how he should get paid here. How do you see this working out with Bud Dupree and the Steelers? You know, I'm really curious because the Steelers, he has some interesting precedent here because the Steelers have already made such a change for Cam Hayward. A couple years ago, uh, Cam Hayward couldn't make a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro list because he was officially listed as a defensive end. And in doing so, he was, you know, he was being outdone by J.J. Watt and Khalil Mack and, and other edge rushers in the league. And then they said, hey, you know what? We're going to make you a defensive tackle because that's that that's where, where you know where you'll get recognized. And technically, even though in a three-four system, he would be a, a three-four defensive end, but they don't run the three-four that much anymore. So hey, guess what? He's an interior defensive lineman, which is really in a, a defensive tackle. So they switched him to that designation. And now he's been making the Pro Bowls, I think, three years in a row, and he's made two straight uh, I think first team all pros now. Uh so Bud Dupree can look at it and say, you know what? Hey. You guys were, were willing to let, let Cam Hayward switch to defensive tackle. I want to switch to DN because I, I don't drop back in coverage. This isn't this isn't the you know the, the three four defense of old. We're running mostly nickel. We're running mostly these these, these sub packages where myself and TJ Water are are rush are rushing off off the edge and sometimes we'll drop back just to confuse people. But no one no one's fooling anybody about Bud Dupree. He's coming. You know that, that that's his main role. And if he drops back, it's simply to 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 make someone think real quick um but it's not because he's some he's a cover linebacker uh so I, I think he has a very good point here um I, I do wonder if the Steelers are looking at this and thinking like hmm okay because that we we were hearing lots of rumblings in Pittsburgh uh, Dale Lolly who's our lead beat writer at dkpittsburghsports.com he had been hearing lots and, and and reporting that the Steelers wanted to get a long-term deal done with Bud Dupree. They wanted to lock him down so that they could also lock down TJ Watt and have two really good edge rushers in their prime for the next four or five years together. Um, but with COVID-19, with everything else, everything slowed up. Cam Hayward was supposed to get an extension. He hasn't gotten that yet. No, no, no rookies have been signed. They, you know, the, the, the Steelers have done nothing since COVID-19 has, has happened other than draft and sign free, free agents. But as far as negotiations with current players, that is halted. I, I do wonder how this grievance ends up working out because don't forget Shaquille Barrett of the uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's of the same designation and he's also filed a grievance with the NFL because he wants to get to get paid and he's on a franchise tag because the issue is he's franchise tag is an OLB where again the Steelers for years they lived off the three four not so much no more it's more like a twenty five percent of their defensive play calls. I, I I agree with Bud Dupree. I think he should win this, but I think that the Steelers and Kevin Colbert, they've got something up their sleeves. They're like, hey, you know what, Bud? You know, we like you here. We want to keep you around. What if we work out this kind of arrangement and maybe he sticks around for the long term? But again, all this comes down to what's the outlook for the future cap? Because the Steelers are going to prioritize T paying TJ Watt. And if they will not they they do not want to put themselves in a position where they signed Bud Dupree and now they have to pinch in all these different places to to bring in TJ Watt. Well, as we're seeing in Kansas City, maybe the salary cap just doesn't really exist anyway. So maybe the, maybe the Steelers don't have to worry about just paying everybody. Um, they've got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, though. Are the Steelers the best, maybe, defense in the league? Because they were among the best last year, and they didn't even get any help from the offensive side of the ball. Now they got Big Ben coming back. You have to think that they're the favorites to be the best in the league, uh, simply because 
They've got they've led the NFL in sacks for three straight years now. They led the NFL in turnovers last year. They they were always up against the wall. If you look, go back and look at their best defensive performances, they were not getting a whole lot of help from the offense. You know, against the Colts, the offense was was dreadful. Against the Rams, the first play from the offense was a snap that went from Marquise Pouncey over Mason Rudolph's head, and it went back for a Dante Fowler scooped it and scored. Uh, and they they had to play from from you know from behind the entire game, but they never caved. Um, I, I really, I really think that the, the defense they've got two a, a great edge rusher in TJ Watt, a very good edge rusher in Bud Dupree, two great interior pass rushers from Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt. Devin Bush really came into his own last year. I think he's only going to get a lot better. He's also extremely young. Vince Williams is a very good buck linebacker that can that can hit in the hole and 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 really rush the passer up the middle to add pressure there. Um, they finally do not have a weakness at the cornerback position like they've had for the past decade. Steven Nelson is a is a is a silent assassin at the cornerback position. He did not give up a single touchdown. Um, and uh, you look at Joe Hayden. He's also he's also had, had a great year. He had five interceptions. But this is all put together because Minka Fitzpatrick's there. And yeah. Terrell Edmonds is nice inside the box. He still has to work on his coverage around the field. But Minka Fitzpatrick does so much for this defense. I can't tell you how many times I talked to Joe Hayden. And he was like, man, with Minka behind me, I'm willing to do this. I'm able to do this. He's out, he's able to be that aggressive cornerback again because he knows that guy got his back. The, from top to bottom, when it comes to starters, that's, there, that's not a, there's no question marks. Every, you're confident about all those people. Now, the question marks come in if injuries surface because now Javon Hargrave's gone. So your first backup interior defensive lineman is Tyson Alulu, who's solid. But he's not a, he's not a pass pass rusher like Javon Hargrave. Their problem will come if injuries become a thing, and we know that in seasons where there's those lockout periods like 2011, that that pl- the players who didn't work out all, all through the offseason, they're the ones that are going to suffer the most, uh, you know, with with, with injuries. And it's really going to test uh, who you know who was staying in in regular shape so that they could be in football shape in August. Speaking of getting paid, Minka Fitzpatrick, that might be one of those that you want to get that deal done before Jamal Adams, Derwin James, and yeah. some of the next group starts to get those second contracts that could be pretty massive for NFL safeties. And I think that number is going to start to shoot up at the top of that market. Um, the offense, really quick, Big Ben, how much better can they be just plugging in Big Ben on offense? And he's been you know, a fantasy football receiver maker throughout his career. Um, mm-hmm. Are you buying stock for Juju Smith-Schuster bouncing back this year and putting up some big numbers? And uh, to go along with that, sorry, this is a, a three-pronged question, but we're we're running short on time here, so I want to get all of this in. And then who's getting the second most targets there in Pittsburgh? Is it going to be James Washington or a guy that Matt Williamson and I always talk about that we both love in Deontay Johnson? Well, first off, putting in Ben Roethlisberger absolutely does change everything, um, but it's going to have to be coupled with him hitting the deep ball. Because I can tell you, even when he was in early last year against the Patriots, it wasn't that they were loading the box, Brian. It was it was that they were – when you watch that tape, look at the first steps of the linebackers and the safeties, even when it was a pass. They were taking their first steps toward the line of scrimmage because they were going to challenge the Steelers to beat them deep. And they didn't trust that they could, and they couldn't. Um, and, and then throughout the season, that became the theme as Ben Roethlisberger didn't finish another game for the rest of the year. Um with Ben back, if he comes out and he hits a couple deep balls, defenses are going to be like, okay, well, we can't do that anymore, and that's going to open up the ground game, which was also virtually non-existent for the Steelers last year. Um, they went from having the best worst red zone offense in 2018 to the worst red zone offense in 2019. If they are just middle of the line, 
If they are ranked 16th offense in the NFL, I think this team is extremely dangerous with for anyone to face because I, that's that's how good I think this defense is. And having Ben back does make all the difference. He's going to read the field better. Um, you know, in the game in Mason Rudolph's starting debut against the 49ers, he you know stats wise you look at it, it's not so bad. But then you go look at that passing chart in that game, he completed two passes that went beyond one yard of the line of scrimmage. You cannot operate that way throughout the season. Whenever he started to get his confidence, he would get knocked out by Earl Thomas. Then he then then later in the year when he was figuring out, he was getting his butt kicked by Cleveland. And then Miles Garrett hit him with a helmet and then called him a racist and said all these other things. He never got settled in, in, in his year. I think that Ben Roethlisberger comes out and it's a different completely idea for these receivers. They were, they were getting open all throughout the season. Deontay Johnson got some of the best separation. And to your point, he's going to be a primary target for, for Ben Roethlisberger. I, I, w- I would say he might even get a thousand yards this year with maybe six, seven, eight touchdowns, because I think he's going to be that dangerous for him. And Ben likes his, uh, people always want to compare this to Antonio Brown. I say, Think more San Antonio Holmes, and and uh, Matt can tell you some good San Antonio Holmes stories. Uh, but uh, but you know when it comes to when it comes to these guys, I think that that you're going to see a lot more a lot more targets to Juju that are that are catchable. Um, you're going to see Deontay Johnson getting getting more to getting to take more advantage. And don't forget Eric Ebron, man. Ebron has been hyping Ben Roethlisberger for years. I was in Detroit when these two teams faced off in 2017 uh, in Juju's rookie year. And uh, Eric Ebron all week was saying like, oh, man, I love Ben Roethlisberger. And, and before the game and after the game, they were hugging each other. And it was like, man, we, we thought they were going to trade for him back then. <laughs> and, and now it only makes sense this has happened. I, I think that you're going to see a lot of a, a lot of things that Ben – a lot of things that, that Ben likes in this offense. And Randy Feekner going to tool some things up. And I don't think – I'm not saying that the Steelers are going to have one of the, the best offense in the league or anything. But I think they're going to have a huge boost. They're going to be in the – upper half of the league's offenses and that's what's going to make this that 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 team extremely formidable because you're going to have maybe the best defense and if at worst you're going to have a top four defense in the nfl and an offense that's you know a little above average that's going to that's going to be tough to stop nfc north is going to be fun steelers ravens uh there's a lot of talent still on that browns roster and an upstart team in cincinnati uh, that is Chris Carter. You can find him on Twitter at Carter Critiques. You can find his work daily covering the Steelers at Locked On Steelers and DKPittsburghSports.com. Chris, it was a pleasure. Thanks, man. And hopefully we'll have you on the show more often. Uh, we can talk Steelers, even though we got Williamson on the show. That's okay. I don't care. I like talking to you that much. Let's have you on often. Hey, man, this is always fun. Happy to come back anytime. More guest hosts to finish up the week. We've got James Rapine joining me Thursday, the host of Locked On Bagels and... You know him, you love him, your boy Q, the host of Locked On Raiders, Friday, right here, Locked On NFL.